We are back. Hey. Welcome back to Meet the Creatives. I am here with Juan Carlos Pagan. Hello. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here. So we are here in Sunday afternoon studios, I guess you'd yeah, say? Yeah, yeah. Office studios, whatever. It's beautiful here. I love it, man. Thank you. So uh, since we're here, let's talk about Sunday afternoon. You were the co-founder and mm. creative director. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell me about the journey, about how this all kind of came together and uh, how it all started. Yeah, Sunday afternoon is a, uh, a bit of an interesting sort of uh, place or at least interesting in that we were like me Shane and Ahmed were all at a point in our careers where uh we were being offered representation but we were also kind of thinking a lot about um the environment and the place we'd like to work slash be represented by um kind of rethinking something so a lot of conversations revolved around uh not only getting the kind of projects that we want to work on, but also um, creating an opportunity or creating rather an environment that allows us to collaborate uh, a lot more. So um, like what does an artist management slash design studio look like? And that snowballed into what ultimately became Sunday afternoon, right? So we're, we're all doing fine and well in our careers. We've been, we've, we've been, doing what we were doing for a while it wasn't like a you know fresh out of college kids kind of thing we were we were all like like Shane was a creative director at Method at the time uh, I was the head of design at, uh, at um, 72 and Sunny at the time and Ahmed was a full-time director and photographer so everyone was fine right. but there was I think a need and a, uh, a want and an urgency to to create this space that allowed us to collaborate as like creatives and as uh, friends. Recently, I had the privilege of attending the Sunday Afternoon Art Show, which was amazing. We all had a phenomenal time. Mm. Uh, some really great work by everyone here. Um, so what was that like putting that together? And um, that must be so incredible to see your friends work and to see the community come together. Yeah, I mean, that's also one of these sort of um, the things that we discussed as a part of Sunday afternoon in our pedagogy and that's a that's a weird word but you know everyone on the roster has um, creative interests uh, and um, artwork that they're creating on their own outside of the client work that uh, they're doing and the client work that we're doing there's a there's a few ways that people can do your work right like there's this sort of the social media online component to the way people consume your work and then a lot of artist management places or, or design studios create collateral, which they send off to people, which we do a little bit of, but not a lot. So, but what we liked, what we did was sort of reallocate sort of the funds a little bit to make sure that the artist on the roster is showcasing the work in a space that is uh, both elevating the work, but also showing it in a capacity that the artist had in mind. Right. Right. So a big, a big thing for us is making sure that every every few months we're making sure the artwork that's being created by the roster is showing up on walls in some capacity and having the gallery space is a way that we could not only do that but also invite people to see and talk about the work in a more uh i think natural interesting way versus getting a postcard or a catalog in the mail right. or just seeing or it, an instagram post or an instagram feed yeah. exactly right yeah. So it's almost going backwards where everyone's going more digital, where we're taking kind of like, we're still doing that, of course, but we're taking a pause and we're like, well, 
a lot of us still just want to see our work on a fucking wall. It's it's fun to like <laughs> have a drink and yeah. see the work on the wall. You know, it's it's Definitely. that it's that simple. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. really cool. Uh, yeah, I know even just from I went to the show and I was looking at you know like Jesse Riser and and um it's a living all these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, some some of whom have already been on the podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of whom are coming on. I, sure. We're not affiliated. I swear. I just love, <laughs> I just love you guys. Thanks. But it was so cool to see the difference from like Insta- like seeing it on Instagram. I actually saw on, I went back to find the work on Instagram, and the difference was absolutely incredible. It's like, it's pretty staggering. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's anything, right? That's like, you can say that with artwork. You can say that with architecture. You can say that with anything, right? Like the the visceral experience you're gonna have by experiencing something. Uh, in a physical space is mm-hmm. going to be quite different than scrolling through your Instagram feed. Yeah. Right. And I think too, just seeing like people coming together and people talking. Yeah. I know that, like one of the things that I heard a lot that night was talking about how the aesthetic amongst all the artists is very primitive and very real. Mm. And it was so cool to hear people like talking about that just kind of like, cause you, you would walk past and you'd be like, Oh, they're just drinking and looking at art and not really talking about it. But it was amazing. Just like, meaningful conversations about design, about color, about life, perspective. It's so cool to see that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I, you know, it's, it's funny being, being in it a lot. The conversations you tend to have is like, oh, congrats, the show's really great. Right? But you, you, rarely get <clears throat> to, you rarely get to be a fly on the wall and hear what, how people are, are interpreting and digesting the work. Yeah. You know? But it seemed, it seemed well-received. And, uh, Definitely. And if, and if it wasn't, that's cool, too. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. we said before. It's, it's all good. good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about um, your work. Uh, I'll save you the, the Pinterest question. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Refer to Rich 2's podcast. They talk about it on there. What's yeah. up, Rich? We love it, bro. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about your work a little bit. Uh, you're obviously a typographer mm. and... Um, I was interested to know that your style was influenced heavily by Lance Wyman, who's sure. coming on the podcast later. That's amazing. Yeah. Great. I'm going to keep sending follow-up emails until he until we do it, but he said he agreed. Okay. okay. Uh, Great. Awesome. Him and uh, Herb, Herb Blue Ballon. Herb Blue Ballon. Yeah. Like, yeah. So many great artists. Yeah. So let's talk uh, first with who, um, who you're inspired by and mm-hmm. also, too, were there any mentors along the way? Sure. Um, so uh, inspiration, you know, it's like, it's like anything is sort of going to like change and develop and grow. Like my people who I'm looking at and, and, and who are influencing my work now are different uh, maybe than when I was in college. But I entered my undergraduate studies at Parsons with an interest, obviously an interest in art. I was like an, like an, like an art geek uh, a little bit. Uh, but I didn't, you know, you don't really know the the people who are making some of the work that move you in a lot of ways. And I was introduced to the work of like Herb Blue Ballin and Lance Wyman and, uh, and, and Saul Bass and all these guys. Right. And you know, when you're young and, uh, and you're seeing this work for the first time and you're, you understand, you're starting to understand, um, uh, what makes it special. It takes a, it, it impacts you. It certainly impacted me in a very sort of serious way. And I wanted to make work, uh, in that vein, right? Like American Expressionism, right? I would say, I would yeah. say a little bit like a cer- certainly uh, Herb Blue Ballin, but you know, um, it, the way he made typography talk was right. pretty amazing. Right? Yeah. Now, I can never make work that good, but I could at least at least you know try. I can I can manipulate and play with typography, and and it was the it was the launch pad for my own personal sort of. Uh, experience and expression and, and work, right? So you take those nuggets and you're like, all right, I want to make 
I want to see if I can make letter forms do similar things. I want to see what it takes to sort of uh, manipulate forms uh, in an interesting way. And that that opens up like 10 more avenues. Right. And then you go down one more thing and it, and it opens up like, oh, like more avenues. So it was just kind of like the spark that led me down this like weird road of, of work where now I do a lot of, I obviously I'm, I'm a typographer, but I, I do a lot of sort of like a lot of line work and a lot of op art work. That's, you can see the mergers of all these sort of influences coming in and out. You know, you, you mentioned about like being influenced and I think uh, I just listened to a great uh, podcast on uh, working not working on overshare with John Contino, who mm. will be interviewing later today. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about the difference between like copying and being inspired. Um, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot. It's been kind of a point of contention in the design community. Sure. How can you take inspiration, see something, be inspired by it? Sure. And then infuse that into your work without without replicating it. Like when you're influenced by something, sure. what is the process? I think the 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 thing is, you always have to. You're always going to be influenced by things or people and their work, right? Like, that's impossible yeah. not to. You know, no one sort of makes work in a, in a, in a bubble, right? right. Uh, so you're always going to be taking influences on. I think the trick is putting your twist on things, mm-hmm. right? It's like taking an idea. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting idea. What if I did this to it? And I put, you put your own twist on it and you right. make it your own. Yeah. You know, it's uh, the idea of standing on the shoulders of giants, right? Like, what I do is, you know, uh, and I'm fully transparent about like I, I'm I'm taking ideas and, and perspectives from great designers that have came before me and I'm hopefully if I'm, if I'm doing my job right putting my own twist on it and adding to the discussion definitely right yeah. and I think that's where uh, copying and uh, being inspired differentiates itself right, right. Um, you have to add something to the conversation you got to put a little twist on it and the unfortunate truth about like 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 John, for instance, he's a really good examples that John came out the gate with such a particular style and such a fresh way of looking at work that so many people just just started ripping him off, like direct, like not adding to it, like yeah. the things he did, but just they were just simply ripping him off, Definitely. and that's upsetting to see. But to John's credit, that's because he was so good at what he did that people were like, oh, I have to make work like this. Yeah. Uh, and they didn't see, I don't think a lot of people see what they're doing being wrong, even though in a way it is, it is yeah. right? Um, so it's, it's tricky. And at the, on the reverse end of that, you know, I, I think about this uh, quite a, a good deal, is, you know, people ripping you off in a way forces you to grow and change and, and develop. So as, an, as a creative person myself, uh, I, if I see someone doing something that I've done or something similar from what I've done, I'm like, all right, well, I need to be, I need to be on to the next thing anyway. Along that same line, we're talking about like entry level designers and kind of making your way in. Yeah. Uh, so when you left school and you were looking to, to get work the, you know, the first time and you were trying to dive into the creative world, mm-hmm. if you could tell yourself anything, like, you know, go back in time and tell yourself like some, some steps to take when leaving school. What's some of the most important things you can do when trying to break into the New York or anywhere break into the design scene? Well, it, it is a little tough for me because I got really lucky, I think, yeah. right? I, <clears throat> when I was in college, I was super like, uh, ambitious and active in the community. You know, I, uh, I was always at like, the events and always trying to meet people. And, and, and this was a time, like, it wasn't... 
it, it was a like kind of pre-social media time, mm-hmm. so you can't really like count people online. You had to like go to the art directors club mm-hmm. or go to the AIJ event. And I was that like kid that was like always kind of like a staples, like meeting people. And I was fortunate enough to like meet uh, Kurt Heyman uh, at the art directors club. And Kurt Heyman was a former president of the art directors club. He was a creative director at like Gray back in the day, like Mad Men dude, old yeah, school yeah, Mad yeah. Men dude. That's right? awesome. Yeah. Sweetest, nicest guy you'll ever meet yeah. in the world. Uh, he had just recently opened up G2 Branding and Design, uh, and he, we hit it off. Uh, we started chatting, and he was, he was like, hey, why don't you come by my office and, and share your portfolio with me? And at the time, I legitimately did not have a portfolio. He was like, you should come by like next week and share your portfolio with me. And I'm like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I spent that entire next week not sleeping, just like building my portfolio so I yeah. can go and have... Uh, it was just a really funny week thinking about it, just so I can have something to share with him. <laughs> and I went in, and he was—he uh, took a liking to uh, my approach and my work. And uh, he was like, "When you graduate, you have a job." So I—I I had a job the week I graduated. Wow. So it, it was really just me, like just being out there right. and meeting people. So like, if I were to go back in time, I would say continue to do like do that yeah uh, in terms of like the workout like physically involved. physically just involved yeah i mean yeah. you can follow people and you can hound them online that's good if you're away like if if you're like i was in new york so like mm-hmm. there was no reason that i shouldn't have right been at those events and, and and going to those things so i think if you're in a city find your community uh and be involved because i think that that's good i think it's, it's good to like shake hands and have a face to go with those uh, hands and um, put the pieces together. I, in terms of work, I wouldn't say anything because I, I needed to like, like I think you need to struggle and like try a bunch of things and suck for a while before you make anything worth sharing. Right. I, you know, like I, I think it's really, it was really important for me to like not, like if I were to go back in time and whisper in my ear, like make this, like no, like I, yeah. need, I needed to stumble around well, it's I need, kind of like, like the culmination of, of all those mistakes then leading to that solution. Uh, yeah, exactly right. Or an approach or a, 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 a methodology and a point of view on design. That only comes through practice and making a lot of things. Right. And I needed to make a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Design is like a state of play. Like you got to yeah. kind of just experiment and then. For sure. And, and yeah, at the end of it, you're like, oh, that's that was interesting. Like I learned this and you take that learning and bring it to the next project and so on and so forth. It, it's sort of a never ending sort of cycle, right? Yeah, yeah. for sure. You know, a lot of people, um, a lot of young creatives, they're told to kind of have like a side project and have like yeah. a passion project. Yeah. What do you do if you can't like if you're if you're in school and you are kind of new to this way of like expressing yourself and doing all that um, and you want to come up with like your own work like what's a good place to start like how do you come up with the idea do you just do it based off of things you like or? I think for me it was one I was really lucky in that um, when I graduated I stayed close friends with the people I went to school with uh, we all graduated at the same time and we all had similar not similar but like we had, we had similar interests in and aspirations and we almost gave each other like almost like assignments so it was really like I think about that that time there was like a four window period after I graduated college while I was working but me and my friends would just like come up with these like crazy ideas or these crazy things and like make them right and it was almost it was almost important almost 
it was really important that we held each other to uh, those assignments uh, in a way. Because it wasn't just me sitting in a room being like, I want to do this and like making it. And then like if it didn't work out, "Ah, that's all right. But it was like coming up with these ideas with my friends, right? And our collective input, like to hold your feet to the fire and everyone has to contribute and make stuff. And it was like our own mini sort of like after school graduate program where like I incredible it was really fun those those are really special years I think about them you guys are still doing that like yeah I mean it's a different group of people (laughs) but yeah in a way I'm still kind of doing that Uh, the the assignments aren't um now they're real now they're real now (laughs) Now the briefs real exactly Yeah. yeah but I think that was helpful in that uh coming up with uh these quote unquote briefs with like your friends yeah and you know, you hold each other accountable in Definitely. a way. And, but you also just sit in a room and work together, right? Like we just had laptops and we sat down and we'd like order like pizza and beers and like make, just made stuff. Yeah. And that was fun. I, I, I think about those times and, and it, uh, it was, t- it's, it, it was great. Yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. I know I, I just talked uh, about this with Rich too recently. Um, um, who works here at Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Uh, and we were talking about that, about uh, the importance of surrounding yourself with, people only surrounding yourselves with people that um, encourage you to, to grow and to learn. And, you know, like if you want to work on your, for something that's fashionable, have sure. friends that support that. If sure. you want to be a, an illustrator, be friends with illustrators and just like, you know, people right. that are going to propel you further rather than people that are going to like, be like, oh, what are you doing that for? Like, right. I yeah. think there's like uh, that like really sweet spot where there's like someone who's encouraging and also like thoughtfully critical, right? Like mm-hmm. my friends are people who, I think my friends are people who are very encouraging, but if if something's not like jiving, they're like, oh, that doesn't, like maybe you can try this, or uh, they'll give me sort of uh, different ways of looking at it that allows me to take that encouragement but push myself in a uh, in a way. Definitely. Yeah. Like that's I think that's hugely important. Yeah. Yeah, not just the yes people, but the people who are like yes, but, but yeah. try try this, or what about this? Have you thought about this? which I think is uh, hugely helpful. Definitely. Yeah. How would you best describe your style, and do you tend to lean towards one type of lettering or one, one typeface? Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think I like, have a, one particular style. I think if you're honest and you look through my portfolio, you can find like, um, a thread of like, things that kind of tie stuff together. But I, like, my, you know, my like, typography and lettering sort of all, like all over the place. I'm just... I'm still uh, experimenting, trying something, um, stuff that I'm interested in, right? Whether that be like optical, like typography, which I do a lot of, like these weird lines or shapes that make up letter forms, which is maybe more on the experimental side. But but I often do uh, more like like traditional work. You know, a lot of you know, like some of my typefaces aren't like overly experimental like mica is not an overly experimental typeface or uh the bat i designed with uh kevin Cantrell. that's just a custom italic black letter that we we decided we wanted to do which is quite different than everything else i think i'm i'm, I'm just experimenting you know my portfolio is uh obviously rooted in uh typography and forms and shapes and strong forms and shapes i think you can you can find those like through lines but uh in terms of like one particular typographic style, no, I, I I'm pretty all over the place. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. You worked. Uh, I read. Uh, you you worked with Lucas Sharp. Right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, Lucas and I uh, ran and operated Pagan and Sharp for a few years, which was great. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, now he's off uh, doing uh, Sharp Co, which is also yeah. he's amazing. He's Meet the Creatives is actually a Lucas Sharp uh, yeah. typeface. Yeah. yeah. So. He's, I mean, he's, Sharp Sands. Yeah. Sharp. Uh, Lucas is a great dude. We. That was during uh, my time when I was studying at Cooper Union. We started. Uh, we started that. And we we made some really fun stuff together. It was great. That's amazing. This is sweet. He's really still a dear friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I would love to design typography, but I got a long, long ways to go before I could really do it. It effectively. is. An, it's a arduous. It's tough. It, it takes a long time. Yeah. What's that? What's that process like for somebody who's kind of in school and hasn't done that yet? Yeah. yeah what, it's what's it? You know. What, where do you start? Yeah. I, you start with research, I think, because I. Before I had studied at Cooper Union, it was. It was just like you just get down and draw letters and then you make a typeface. But I, the, the experience I had at Cooper Union was really interesting because it allowed you to think about typography as a uh, as a tool and as a system. And so you started really thinking about what purpose does this typeface serve, one, and two, uh, what, um, what is it going to contribute to the larger canon of uh, the typographic dialogue, like why does this, why does it need to exist? Right. And that's, that's an interesting question to start asking yourself. Uh, not that you should not do it and like, you should always just make stuff, I think, but like that, that thought process now is something that I would consider a little bit more. Like what, is there, is there something else that's similar to this? Why does this, this does this need to exist and what is it going to contribute? And then research, right? Like what other typefaces in this space exist? If I'm doing a Fleischmann, Right. For mm -hmm. instance, so I want to design a Fleischmann. What other Fleischmanns exist historically? Where does it come from? What elements am I going to draw from that are going to make this a Fleischmann? What are the things that I'm going to add to it to make it contemporary? Right. What proportions am I am I going to bring to it? So really start. I really would start doing uh, my thinking around that. And then when you start drawing, uh, start making letter forms. Uh, and I think this is well researched, you know, like you want to start with those letter forms that are going to build the rest of the DNA out. Like hop knob is like what you want to start with, right? Yeah. Those letter forms, because they're going to, that's going to really lay out the basic DNA of the typeface. Uh, and then you're just going to bang out the rest of the letter forms until you have uh, enough to really start stringing them together and start proofing tests. And because it really is the relationships between the letter forms that are going to dictate you just like uh, print them out and put them all next to each other? How you have that? these strings, like, you know, we, we, we'd have these sort of the strings that you just, you toss them in InDesign, activate the typeface, uh, and then print them out. And then you can see the H-O-P-O. It's a sheet, essentially. Yeah. And you're looking at these uh, in that capacity because that's going to dictate uh, whether it's a successful typeface or not. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. For sure. That's so cool, man. And then you just build from there. You keep building, you keep making, and you do multiple weights, and then you interpolate multiple weights, and then you, you know, you you kern all the weights, and uh, it's a. It sounds so exciting, but so daunting. All uh, it's really daunting. It's yeah. a very. It's a. It's it's rewarding in a different way, right? Yeah. It's very like. I think it's rewarding in a like, sort of more long term. When you get a little thing right, it's actually a big deal. When you get like when you nail a little thing, you're like, oh, that's right, that's perfect. That's a bit. So you have to you take those little wins right. when no one else would see it other right. than you, and maybe a handful of other people, and that's right. that's okay. But it's a very different kind of um, feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, do you have a favorite typeface? No. Definitely not. If you sure. all right, you get to do like top. Can you do top three, top five? 
Or no, it's like picking favorite children. Yeah, it's it's really it's tough, man, and they that's and it's always changing mm-hmm. for me, right? Yeah, uh, and so and, and I love that because there's always like like Joshua Darden's always putting stuff out that's great, and uh, Lucas is constantly doing stuff stuff that I'm like blown away by, and the, you know like uh, Chris Sowersby is always, he's always producing great work, and right. Tobias does. My favorite type of changes all the time because these guys are putting out great work all the time. Right. And I'm like, oh, that's so good. You yeah. know, and you fall in love with it. It's, it's, um, and then you have your, your staples that you always like. You're like, oh, I know if I use this for this, it's always going to look good. Or, yeah. So it's, I don't have that. No, I, yeah. I, I, I also like to keep it fresh. Would you say sans serif or serif? Do you have a preference on that? Nope. That's awesome. No, I don't. That's a real typographer's answer, right? No, there. I don't think you. I don't. I, you can. I don't, yeah. I don't think you. I don't know how you could. Yeah. I love. You know, they're both. They're, they're. 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 They all add to this beautiful sort of like, like. Uh, yeah, it all adds to mm-hmm. a, like a like a, this really great grab bag of different expressions of letter forms and language that. I, I, I fucking love it all. Like I, I love hobo. I love Comic Sans. I love. You know, I love, I love, you Alex know, Sands. yeah, I don't give a shit. I do. I love, I love, uh, founders grotesque. I love, you know, uh, I love so many. I love yeah. the weirdest, ugliest slash most beautiful typeface. I love yeah. using the right way. It's, it could look good. You yeah. know, people, young designers like making these sort of blanket statements like, oh, this is, oh, that's just shit. It's type. a thing to say. It's like, oh, yeah, comic like, sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause it's, it's not meant to, you're not meant to do certain things with it. It's the designer's fault, not the typographer's right. fault. Exactly. Yeah. I love um, Cooper Black. Yeah, it's I great. Love, I well, love Cooper Oswald Black. Cooper was a brilliant typographer. Yeah. He, like people, like that was a really interesting way of looking at those letter forms. And yeah. yes, it, yes, it like stinks of like, 70s but like sometimes that's really good sometimes that's dope yeah sometimes that's cool like that's that's fine that's same, like the same thing when people use avant-garde avant-garde reeks of the 70s but like maybe that's appropriate for the project i use it a lot yeah like it's it's really uh it's really based on how you use things yeah and the context and the intent that you're trying to communicate things in and yeah that's so funny i i love like talking uh one of the cool things about hanging out with you guys at Sunday afternoon and mm-hmm. designers in general is that like, it's really cool to see somebody change from like, you know, like rich, like you could be talking about something and then all of a sudden you'll t- start talking about shoes and then she just gets into this thing like, Oh, and just go like, and he'll be like, and this is a build and this is, build. he gets like really into it. <laughs> yeah. You light up that same way about typography. typography sure. That's yeah. So cool. Man. I mean, it's the one thing that like I latched onto young as a designer that I fell in love with fast. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I, I was, I was a broke college student, as we all were, right? Uh, I was in class, Pablo Medina's class. Uh, he was, you know, early on one of my early mentors and still a dear friend of mine. Uh, and he noticed that I was, like, uh, let, like uh, digitizing these typefaces that I couldn't afford to use for, like, design projects. <laughs> uh, he recommended that I meet with Charles Nix, who was the head of my department at the time, uh, was formerly the president of the Type Directors Club. And Charles was like, you should take James Multibano's digital lettering class because... You're kind of already doing it, but you're doing it like really bad. Like yeah. you kind of you kind of suck at this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, cool, whatever, whatever that means, I'll take it. So he signs me up for James class, and it was like a like when you're like fucking brain, like 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 you, you learn something new and it makes sense to you, and like you fall in love with it. It was like it was like that. It was like yeah. I like it was awesome. And James is a 
you know, he's, he's, he's a legendary type designer. He's a brilliant guy, kindest student you'll ever meet. Uh, and it was great to be in his class and learn from someone who was uh, so inspiring and uh, thoughtful and eager to teach how to properly digitize letter forms. And that's what I latched onto sophomore year. Right. It was like, yeah. So I, uh, a lot, a lot of my work is typographic based because of that, I think, you know, it was like early on, that's what I fell in love with first. When you were 18, you moved to Mexico. Sure did. Um, to kind of find yourself spiritually and yeah. you met some shamans, so I'll yeah. let you take it, but, uh, it's really interesting. Um, so. so yeah, when I graduated high school, I had, you know, some time and some money to sort of, uh, graduation money to kind of think about stuff and before I kind of launched into college. So me and my buddy, moved, uh, we, we, we first went to Canada to, cause the drinking limit, uh, drinking age out there is like 18 and like, oh, Canada's close to New York and. So we kind of partied there for a little while. And they were like, why don't we just go to Mexico? That's insane. Bro. Yeah. And they were like, let's go to Mexico. So we just oh went to God. Mexico because like, why not? So we went from Canada to Mexico. Uh, and then we, and the whole like idea was to stay in Mexico until like we had sort of ran out of money. Like we'll stay here until we like have no more money or at least enough money to buy a ticket, plane ticket and go back home. Wow. Uh, and then that stretched on for about a year. Uh, yeah. And I, I used that time obviously to read a lot, but to work at random places to make money and to, uh, you know, experiment with like, uh, experiment with, with, you know, aspects of my mind or, or things that I thought were interesting at the time that were, I was, you know, I, I was at a place where I was questioning a lot of like, you know, uh, faith-based things that I was kind of, uh, confronting. So I, I wanted to, uh, try a bunch of like tryptamines and and just be in that space for a little while which uh i found for me at least to be an important time in my life Definitely. sure yeah does does that i know like um one of the things that a lot of people say when visiting mexico is that the the color oh so just everything oh, is painted it's I, beautiful. It's beautiful i love that yeah i mean it's it's a color Has that palette. Does it inform the design or hugely? Yeah, hugely. Yeah, that, those those colors I'll never forget. They they're so vibrant and beautiful. And there's the way I think about Mexico is so sensory. It smells, but it's really color and it's rich and it's warm. Uh, uh, and it's warm from like obviously a physical perspective, but also from like people that I encountered. Just a lot of love uh, that I've I, w- I was greeted with. So. I walked away from that experience with just so much gratitude from a visual and emotional perspective, right? right. I, a lot, I left with a lot of love in my heart, which yeah. is really great. Yeah. Cool. cool. All right. We're going to do some questions that were submitted by yeah. Meet the Creatives listeners. Cool. Which is really, uh, I'm excited to do this. It's going to kind of, because I, I, I kind of just ask the same question. So I think this will be kind of like a Q&A sort of thing. Okay, so. yeah, that's it. Awesome. This is from Jess Minzer, who I went to school with. Cool. She sent a, couple, a few questions, and they were all kick-ass. So okay, great. She just got her first, uh, her first agency job. So yeah, she left, she left school, and now she's working at uh, Trillion Creative, which is in Jersey. So great, good for her. Yeah. Awesome. She's hyped. I can tell she's gonna go places. Oh, awesome. That's all great. right. Um, question number one: um, What should be on every new designer's reading or viewing list? That's a really that's an excellent question because. I can I can go a bunch of different ways here. Uh, I think you should everyone should watch all of Stanley Kubrick's films. 
They're just so you watch The Shining. It was amazing. Oh, like Clockwork Orange, Shining, oh, the best. Uh, Two thousand and one Space Odyssey. Like, yes. Just watch and like look how look at the colors, look at the like the compositions, the space. Um, not you know the red bathroom in The Shining. Yeah. Like, are you kidding? Like, what if the you, best? Just, he's a visual like genius and. His editing is wonderful. The the writing is usually flawless. I mean, it's he is just a like a master of execution and thoughtfulness. And if that can manif somehow manifest its way into your work, I think it's good. So I think Stanley Kubrick is just a benchmark like brilliant uh, person. So watch all of Stanley Kubrick's like his entire yeah. filmography. Yeah. Yeah. Any books? Any books? Oof. <laughs> Here's where we can go like a little off the rails because I, I, I like books that I can sort of uh, somehow you, you take something out of it uh, and it, it 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 it's not directly about your work but you can see how it can affect the way you think about life and your work uh, uh, Zen and the Art of Motor Cycle Maintenance is a great book um, uh, The Unbearable Lightness of Being by Milan Kundera is well, arguably one of my favorite books, and I think it's just about relationships and people, and uh, I think it's great. It's a great read. It's just a great read. Um, I also like Malcolm Gladwell's writing, which isn't philosophy at all. I like the way he, he strings together all these disparate ideas and looks at it in a different way, and I think as uh, creative people, we can take a little bit of learning from like looking at the same thing in yeah. a different way. Yeah. Uh, I, he, the way he, the way he approaches stuff, whether you agree with or disagree with it, I think is an interesting approach. So you know, Blink, Tipping Point, What the Doc Saw, uh, Outliers, all his books I think are uh, a, an experiment of looking at things in a fresh, uh, new way. That's awesome, man. Mm -hmm. Cool. That's mm -hmm. a kick-ass answer. Okay, Jess, you better read those. All right. Um, <laughs> what's the advice you wish you got in the start of your career? I think you kind of answered that one. I think so. I think one thing I would say maybe is. Uh, when you're young and you're making stuff, um, experiment a lot. Like, do, do go go weird. It's easy to do safe because people are like, oh, safe is good and safe is going to get you hired. But safe is going to could potentially produce a lot of uh, middle of the road work that you're not particularly thrilled by. Yeah. Um, so allow yourself to get a little strange and weird because it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Uh, Tibor Kalman has that great quote, you know, if you don't make something that people hate, no one could love it. Right. And I think that's something that young designers could spend time thinking about as they make and produce work that they put into the world. Definitely. Yeah. And I think I, Alex Center mentioned it on the podcast, the design director at Coca-Cola, about um, a lot of times when people do do that and they take the safe route, they think that it looks good, but on the for the person that's interviewing you, it looks like you're doing your best designer impression, yeah. which I thought was a really great note to that because it's like you think that that, like you've matched the style of the look that you think you should have, right. but they're looking at that with veteran eyes and thinking to themselves like, oh, you did the Michael Beirut thing or you did the, you know, whatever. Absolutely right. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, you know. The frame of reference is so big. Like they've definitely already seen it. Absolutely right. And what, I think what you want to bring to the table when you're meeting with a creative director at any place is a fresh point of view. They, they, I think they, you know, they want to be delighted by something that perhaps they hadn't thought about or seen, right? Even if that delightfulness comes with a bit of uncomfortableness, 
I think that's good. You, you, you don't want an expected book. I think you want some, someone, you want to put a little bit of an impression on someone like, hey, I, I look at, at things a bit differently. I approach things a bit differently. I, I, ha I put my twists on stuff and hopefully that's... You have convictions. Yeah, yeah. and I, got point, I have point of views. And right. whether they're right or wrong, it's, there's still a point of view. And, uh, you know, the people that work for me here, I, that's what I, I found a thing or two in their book that I'm like, oh, I hadn't, that's cool. I hadn't thought about that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some, yeah, there's some formal things that I would have changed, but they're so young and they're so growing. And I think that having that little special thing shows me that they are going to bring something to the table that I may have not thought about. Do you have any experience with uh, having imposter syndrome? If so, do you have any suggestions for new designers on how to mitigate it? Yeah. Uh, I think we all have our struggles with our own work, right? There's, there's not a... I like to think there's not a creative person on earth that doesn't have their own weird sort of um, relationship with their work where sometimes you're questioning it, sometimes you're, you're, sometimes you think it's great, sometimes you hate it. It's like, it, it really is a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. You have your work and there are moments where you're like, ah, oh, I'm just fucking, I, I'm a hack. Yeah. Right? That's super, like, that's super normal. Like, I, I think everyone does. It's not, it's, I, Listen, <laughs> everyone does. If honestly. you don't feel like that, I feel yeah. like you're not like... If you, feel, if you don't feel like that, you're full of... One, you're fucking lying. Yeah. But uh, you're completely, like, big-headed. Yeah. And I feel like if you're honest with yourself, you're, you're always questioning your work, and that's a good thing because it's going to make you, I think, help you push your work in a different way, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I, th I would say channel that to, to a positive energy and start trying to, like, okay, if that's how you're feeling push the work in a different way like take that and like right, how can I push this 10 feet forward to make it a little bit different if, right. I'm, if I'm feeling that way and you might stumble across something fucking interesting or cool or different yeah. you know so I would just take that negative energy and try to use it to in a positive way what's the biggest mistake you see young designers making when trying to reach out to you for an for an entry-level pos design position so many like where can we start yeah. Um, get to them all. I mean, get, yeah. This might be like the new way we can do the podcast. This yeah. is like better than my questions. I like. It. Yeah. It, there's so many. Like, I prefer a nice, short email. That's it. A lot you of people. Letter? I don't need it. Just send me a short email yeah. with a link to your work. That's it. Like a lot of like young designers will like DM me through like Instagram, and I don't check those re regularly so like that's like if i see it it might be seven months out right. and i'm like oh this person reached out to me on instagram <laughs> cool but now it's seven months well, out I'm and i feel too, yeah. yeah i'm not gonna reach out now we're back to them now so like don't like or like through twitter or these like weird like just email me you know it's pretty like and keep it short keep it short yeah. and sweet um keep it I, brief keep it brief i get these like super like don't keep it like not long i don't have very New Yorkers don't have time, especially like New Yorkers that are working. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, the, keep it simple, keep it short, um, and make sure when you're reaching out, like your book is ready for discussion. And just be. <laughs> I, I had this uh, one person reach out to me, and everything was like going fine. I was like, yeah, I'll be happy to like review your portfolio and take a look at your work. But like their schedule didn't work. Like I would try to make these plans, and they're like, "Oh, and their schedule." I'm like, "You gotta, you gotta make this a little easier." Yeah, you know, like 
I'm, 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 I want to have a sit down and look at your portfolio and talk about your work, but you got to make it, right. you got to make it as easy as possible for other, for the person, for the, for the person that you're hopefully going to get hired by. How do you, how do you, uh, I always find this interesting. How do you end your emails? I say best. Kindly. Oh, yeah. Always that. all my emails were kindly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will. Uh, it's been cool. Like in this podcast, having this correspondence with like all these different designers, uh-huh. like Michael Beirut was like best regards. And I was uh-huh. like, I will use that until the end of time. Yeah. And now he, I'm using kindly. He's the dude though. Man. Yeah. Anything Michael does, I'll do. I don't yeah. Care. That's it. That's my rule. Do everything <laughs> Michael does. Cause he's the fucking dude. He's the ma- amazing. Yeah. Have you ever experienced burnout and how do you recover or prevent it from happening in the first place? Yeah, I think we all do. Uh, vacations are good for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can, you know, run, walk, make sure you're taking care of your mind and body, you know, and they are related, you know, so we got to sleep. You have to sleep. You have to, you have to exercise and feed. Just to have a lot of friends that like stay up all night, drink coffee and burritos and um, like that's, that's cool if you can do that. But like, I, I need to like be really, I like to be thoughtful about the, the stuff that I'm like putting in, yeah. you know, so, um, so that helps with burnout because I think if you're walking in with a healthy mind and a healthy heart and a healthy body and you're rested, uh, hydrated, you're hydrated, right? You're not going to burn out as quickly, yeah. you know, um, meditating is helpful, right? Definitely. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, everyone has their, like their ways, but I, I tend to, uh, I like to to take at least an hour or two a day to go for a run and to be like with myself uh, and then I can get back to it. Yeah. Uh, and then if it's kind really like unplug a little bit. Yeah. 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 Get away. Just go for a run. And usually it's funny when you're uh, in that state, when you're like uh, doing things that are physical and they're not uh, related to sitting at the computer working, right. usually answer a lot of questions. Like it's, it's really reading about how, you know, we evolved from, uh, from, uh, uh, you know, migrating like uh, species, right? We we would move, right? And we would th- we we think best when we're moving because our uh, ancestors had to solve problems as they moved and move from place to place. Right. So it's a it's a natural thing for us to kind of like uh, unconsciously answer questions when our body's moving, whether we're walking or running or doing anything physical. Our brains are tuned in uh, right. on on a sort of sub level, which is like kind of great. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's Jessica Min- Minzer. Minzer. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. That's kind of embarrassing since we went to school together. Uh, her portfolio is JessMDesign.com. She's currently working, but JessMDesign. Yeah. JessMDesign.com. All right. Fresh out of school, just got a new job. Cool. Life is good. Cool. Submitting cool questions. Yeah, that's a great question. And she got to hear from the Pinterest guy. So that's the Bam. Is that right? Okay, cool. Yeah. You're in, Jess. Don't say I never did nothing for you. All right. Um, so in closing, thank you so much for doing this today. This has been amazing. Oh, happy to. This was great. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, it's always good to come. I'm sorry for stalking all your employees. And, uh, no, dude. Let's talk to I mean, listen, this is, this is fun. You just get to sit down and reflect and chat about stuff. Yeah. Honestly, it's cool. Yeah. Very cool. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, this no worries. Really uh, where can people find you online? Uh, oh. And please... Plug away Sunday afternoon. It's an extraordinary thing. You want to be a part of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can just you can find uh, you can you know find my work at carlospagan.com. Uh, my Instagram is juancarlospagan.com. Uh, Good Instagram account. 
Yeah. It's a good one. It's just my name. Uh, pretty, pretty boring. Yeah. Uh, and SundayAfternoon.us um, to check out Sunday Afternoon. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm going off to see John Contino. Do you have anything that you'd like to say to John Contino? No, just give him a fucking hug and kiss from me. Uh, I miss him. I haven't seen him in ages, man. Yeah. Yeah. We used to... He used to hang out like more when he lived in, in New York and now yeah. he's now he's a dad and he's all grown up. Yeah. So tell him I miss him. He's a woke dude, Don Contino. He is a woke dude. Yeah. <laughs> Good shit. Juan yeah. Carlos Pagan, you are the man. Take care. Thank you. Awesome, man. All right. Thank you, brother. Fight for your life, fight for what you believe is right. Fight for the right, fight for your life, fight for what you believe.